Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. I got yelled at before the show started today because we do nothing personal word of the day. And I think that you're all understanding that when I say word of the day, it's a word, could be a phrase, right? It doesn't have to just be a single word. But there's a little disagreement going on. So my word of the day is bell. But it shouldn't be just bell. What I want it to be is bell let's talk. Bell let's talk is a hashtag that you're going to use today, please, on social media. Every time you reference that, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Every time you tweet it or text it, even if you text it apparently, Bell is a phone company up in Canada. They, uh, the Bell Center, I believe, is where the Montreal Canadiens play. I believe Bell owns the Blue Jays. It's possible the Blue Jays play also in the Bell. It used to be the, uh, where the Blue Jays played. Of course, that's escaped me, but it's not relevant. Bell Let's Talk is about mental health awareness. Let's talk about our mental health issues. Do you know they've raised $100 million in the last 10 years? Because it's a nickel that they give. Now, the way it works from a corporate standpoint is they do a budget. Part of their budget is charitable giving. I get it. I'm not trying to say that they're all of a sudden the greatest company in the world. What I am saying is they are bringing attention to something that matters. Mental health matters. It used to be when I got into sports that we had a sports psychologist only. It was someone who was a performance guy, someone who'd come in and let players know what they needed to focus on to be in the moment, to hit the pitch, or to throw the ball, to pay attention, mentally strong. Then as the years passed, it became more obvious that off-the-field issues were actually impacting on-field performance. I'd love to tell you that the reason why Bell Let's Talk is so important to me is that I was taking care of the mental problems of all of my players over my 18 years. But the truth is it became very clear to me that in order to get productivity out of the players, we had to recognize that off-field issues, mental health issues matter. That's when sports psychology morphed into actual psychology. That's when it became clear that in order to perform well on the team, you had to sort of collectively take care of a player's mind and his body. You see many corporations doing the same. It used to be a huge stigma. No one would talk about depression or anxiety. I talk about it on the show all the time. I love talking about my anxiety. I love talking about characteristics that I have, not because I'm such an open book in that way, but because if I'm willing to talk about it, then you should be willing to not just listen to it, but talk about it with yourself, with your friends. Understand that it is not the stigma. It's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to see a psychologist. And do you know that raising the money, what Bell's doing by raising this $100 million over 10 years, nickel every time you tweet it, Bell Let's Talk hashtag, you're doing it in order for awareness, for people to be more comfortable in their skin, talking about things that matter. And especially with everything that goes on this week and every week, it's more important than ever to, all you gotta do is tweet and text, Bell Let's Talk, word of the day.
Biggest story I'm following today is about a baseball player named Chris Bryant. All you Chicago fans out there, are you paying attention? I hear from you a lot. I had that big issue with the White Sox a few months ago. I think it was a few months ago where I talked about some of the advice I was given by Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the White Sox and the Cubs. So I do know that there's some people in Chicago downloading this show, and I appreciate it. Download and subscribe. Follow me on Twitter at David P. Sampson. It can be a fun follow from time to time, if I do say so myself. I say that with total humility. I make myself laugh sometimes. It's possible you'll never laugh, but just know that when I'm writing some of the 240 characters, I laugh from time to time. And then I get a call from Coca saying, what are you doing? That wasn't funny at all. So Chris Bryant is a uh, Chicago Cubs third baseman. We've talked about him on the show and on CBS Sports HQ before because here's the story of his career. Very highly touted. I'm not going to tell you who his agent was, Scott Boris. I'm not going to tell you that we didn't want to draft Chris Bryant with the Marlins. We did. What I'm going to tell you is that he crushed the minor league pitching. Crushed it. He was going to be a superstar, and everybody knew it. You didn't have to be a good scout to know that Chris Bryant was going to be a good player. So the Cubs, four years ago when he first came up, did exactly what they should have done, and they waited to call him up until the middle of April. It's called service time manipulation. Service time manipulation is when executives like me tell players that we are going to manipulate you, we're going to make sure that you can't earn the amount of money that you want to, And we're going to keep you as our property for a full extra season. Yes, that's what it is. Now, Major League Baseball will take great pains to tell you that that's not what it's called. Major League Baseball teams, and I used to do it too, because when I worked in Major League Baseball, I had to follow the rules. And here's the rule. You cannot hold a player down in the minor leagues for the sole reason of manipulating his service time. Which is why whenever you read articles about Vladimir Guerrero, he had to work on his defense, junior, before Toronto called him up. Chris Bryant, we wanted to make sure that he was really ready to be in the big leagues and coming out of spring training, we didn't feel he was ready. It's a very popular thing because we have to explain to the media, to our fans and to the union, why the player is not being called up, who's clearly, clearly one of the best 25 players to come out of spring training. The way you put your team together in spring training is you have baseball people who tell you, these are the 25 best guys. Then you've got executives like me who tell them, thank you so much for your input. I appreciate all of your hard work during spring training. However, Chris Bryant will not be on the team, no matter what. I've held down, I mean, player upon player has been held down in order to guarantee, all the way back to the Miguel Cabrera days. Do you think it's a coincidence that Miguel Cabrera had his debut in June? It's not, because not only did we hold him back because we didn't want him to be a free agent a year earlier. But if you hold a player back until June, they actually don't go to arbitration until a year later than they otherwise would. Let me explain that. 
when you call up Chris Bryant in the middle of April, you get him for an extra year, meaning he's not a free agent for an extra year. However, he does go into the arbitration system a year earlier than necessary. So instead of paying him the minimum, you actually have to pay him, instead of half a million dollars, you have to pay him, let's say, $5 million. That's a big difference. So there's a big difference between out of spring training on opening day until the middle of April. That's when you get your extra year. And then from the middle of April until the middle of June, that's when you save a year of salary. So the Cubs said, we're not going to bring him out of spring training on our team. But in the middle of April, they were ready to call him up. They were okay paying the extra millions of dollars. The Marlins are not. We don't have the money. The Cubs have the money. Chris Bryant was furious. So was his agent. Why was his agent angry? Do you know how much money it costs to be a free agent a year later? Think about it. If Chris Bryant were able to be a free agent at the end of this coming season, does he get $260 million over 10 years? Probably more. $330 million over 10 years? Maybe. Arenado got 260. Would he be better than Arenado? Not for me, but let's just say he's Arenado. Now, Bryant has to spend an entire extra year on a one-year deal, make sure he stays healthy, stays productive, and that the general economics of the game don't change so that the next collective bargaining agreement doesn't have a salary cap, so the next collective bargaining agreement doesn't have a limit on the number of years you can sign a player. What happens if the next CBA says no more long-term deals over six years? By Chris Bryant not being a free agent until then, he could be costing himself $100 million. So he filed a grievance. The way it works is the union files grievances against Major League Baseball. It then gets a number. This could have been 2016-3, which means it was the third grievance filed in 2016. It took four years for the arbitrator to decide. I want to tell you how insane that is. So baseball will tell you that it took this long for an informed decision to be made. And now a decision's been made, but still we want to review the decision. It's going to be a long opinion. It's like a judge writing a legal opinion. You know every time the Supreme Court rules on something and everyone goes crazy because they either won 5-4 or lost 5-4 on an issue that matters to them? There are opinions that come out, not just the final score. In an arbitration with a player over salary, which is something we've spoken about, there are no opinions. The arbitrator gives a number. But in a grievance like this, the arbitrator doesn't just say yes or no. He gives his reason. Here's why, here is why Chris Bryant, excuse me, here is why Chris Bryant lost the grievance. Because at the end of the day, there is no way to actually prove that the baseball person who said publicly that we wanted Chris Bryant in the minor leagues for X reason, there's no way to prove that they didn't actually believe it. While it's definitely not true, and it was Chris Bryant was left in the minor leagues solely because of money and solely because of control, all due to service time manipulation, but you can't really prove it. So what's going to happen is the union and MLB are going to get together 
and they are going to figure out an actual response to the service time manipulation. They are going to find a way to get the best players on your team as early as possible. The reason why I agree that a solution must happen is I don't like telling my baseball people that I don't want my best 25 guys. But my responsibility is the business of the team in addition to the baseball results of the team. The results on the field are only a part of the business. I have to look at the entirety, the entire picture. Something will change and there will never be a grievance about service time manipulation again. But Chris Bryant, you lost, you knew you would. Not even a question. We actually called it on this show. You know, we try to call things on the show all the time. And uh, this whole accountability, you, you hear it at the end of the show with Wait to See. I like it when people have hot takes that are called. It's when people have opinions. I don't like it when people just have opinions without basis or people have opinions that they haven't thought through. Every time we do a segment on the show, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about what I want to say, why I want to say it. Do I believe in it? Deion Sanders is someone who I, uh, I respect as an athlete on the field. He's a two-star athlete, a true two-sport athlete. I mean, like professional, professional baseball player, professional football player. And he wasn't bad at either sport. This isn't like Michael Jordan, who was a terrible baseball player. This is, Dion was good. Dion went on a rant yesterday, and it's getting a lot of attention. Everyone's got an opinion about it. Everyone's yelling and screaming and debating it on every show. I want to give you a little different slant. Deion Sanders said that he's a football player, talking about football. I think he was also talking about baseball, but he claims just football, that too many people get into the Hall of Fame. He basically came out and said, Hall of Fame used to be a very special honor reserved for the best of the best. The NFL, since 2006, has put six people minimum in the Hall of Fame each year. And his point is, there's no way there are six qualified people every year to be into the Hall of Fame. It's got to be a much more exclusive club. When you say you're going to Canton, that's where the NFL Football Hall of Fame is, or you're going to Cooperstown, that's where the MLB Hall of Fame is, it's got to be exclusive, like the top. And there's been a ton of debate about Eli Manning. There's a ton of speculation that Deion Sanders was talking about Eli Manning. Chris Dolman died today, tragically. Yesterday, yesterday or today. Hall of Fame football player. Great player for the Minnesota Vikings. Take a look at his stats. Is it inappropriate for me to talk about this right now? No, I'm going to do it. Was he a definite Hall of Famer? No. Borderline. Eli Manning, is he a definite Hall of Famer? I think so, but I can understand from Deion Sanders' standpoint that you're talking about Eli Manning is known more. He's two-time Super Bowl MVP. He had a great 11-year stretch, no question about it. He's very famous for making all the money he made with Peyton. But is he one of the greatest of all time? Here's the problem, Dion. Neither were you. Neither were you. If you want the Hall of Fame to be so exclusive, be very careful what you say. I want you to be accountable for your rant. But when you rant about the Hall of Fame, just know that the likelihood is 
that if the rules were changed, that it was the best of the best, the best cornerbacks, the best defensive players. Dion, you're not on the list. If you're in the Hall of Fame, so's Dolman, so's Manning, and so are all the people just on the edge. This isn't the Hall of Fame of ego. This isn't the Hall of Fame of panache. This isn't the Hall of Fame of fur coats and jewelry. This is the Hall of Fame of talent and making a difference. I think you're borderline, Dion. I love your passion. <laughs> you know what I love? Coca, come out here and take a stand one time. Instead of crazy, he's my producer. He is instrumental in this show. I couldn't do nothing personal without him. However, I would argue that Bell's Let's Talk is something that he needs to focus on, much as I do, because he has a, he has a problem. What Coca's problem is, is that he has these opinions, and when it's time to actually have facts behind them, he gets way too emotional, factless. He just yelled in my ear. He's supposed to whisper because when he yells, it hurts my ear. Or I'd prefer not to actually hear him. He just yelled that it's totally insane what I said about Deion Sanders. Give me a reason. To, instead of yelling, and now he's actually not even paid attention to the show. He's actually, I do this show if you're not watching and you're listening. We're in a studio right now. And what he's doing is he's telling all the workers here why I'm so crazy. All the uh, directors and technical directors and assistants and production people who graphic artists all people, he's now trying to come up with the exact reason why Sanders is a Hall of Famer. Instead of focusing on actually giving me some facts that would say, no, no, Samson, you're wrong. He's a surefire, greatest of all time. All right, Coca. Borderline. I'm moving on. Can I move on, Coca? Are we ready? Are you paying attention? Are you still yelling? I can't even hear you anymore. I think, I actually think Coca just resigned. Marone, you're back in business. All right, next subject is actually a little more serious. Uh, did you watch, I'm sure you did. Did you watch the uh, Inside the NBA hour-long special? They did something spectacular honoring Kobe Bryant. They are a very interesting pregame show. You got Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, Ernie Johnson, and Shaq, the big man. One of the coolest pieces of memorabilia I have are Shaq's shoes. I got them given to me by uh, Stan Van Gundy. For for uh, I bought them charity, and uh, they're game worn Shaq shoes. And his shoes are so large that they make Bob Lanier's feet look like mine. Anyway, Shaq was on there. It was an entire hour. It was emotional. This, this fraternity of players in basketball, baseball, football is interesting to me, and here's why. When they lose one of their own, there is a huge amount of emotion, and more and more players are now going into the booth after their careers are done. You didn't see this as much in the, in the olden days. Someone who made as much money as Barkley or Shaq, even Kenny Smith, You'd be surprised that they would go on to a second career the way they've done. And what they've done is they've taken that second career seriously. When you get analysts who you know are just sort of doing it because they want to get out of the house or they want to go to Vegas or they want to go somewhere, they want to go to Atlanta once a week, 
for whatever reason. Maybe they're doing it because they're bored. They're doing it for the paycheck. You can tell when they're mailing it in. These guys never mail it in. It is must-see pregame, award-winning pregame. And what they did yesterday beat it all. I want to specifically talk about Shaq. Shaq did a three-minute and 45-second soliloquy about Kobe. You know the backstory. They were teammates. They won back-to-back-to-back championships together. And they did not like each other. It was a battle of egos, a major battle of egos. And they did not have a detente until they had a sit-down in 2018 or 19 for the first time talking about and trying to have some sort of reconciliation. I'm not sure they ever actually had the reconciliation. Shaquille, as part of his ode to Kobe, mentioned the last time he saw Kobe was Kobe's last game when he scored 61. I don't think that's accurate as Coca pointed out, because they sat down and taped a special, which was supposed to be the reconciliation of Kobe and Shaq. And Shaq was definitely emotional. He was genuine. You could tell he's had loss in his life. His sister had died this past year. He lost his father. Those of us who are older remember he called his father Sarge because his father was quite in control. And what Shaq was saying is that he should have taken the time to spend more time with Kobe, call him more. And he promised that with Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith and Dwayne Wade, that he would spend more time, because he wanted Shaq won a championship with D. Wade, of course, spend more time calling them, speaking to them off camera. We talk in baseball about 25 guys, 25 cabs, which is a team of players who when they get to the stadium, they're together, but off the field, they're completely separate. It used to be that we would hang out in the clubhouse, we'd have beers, we'd spend time talking about the game, talking about the future, talking about the past, and then it morphed into with the advent of social media and all sorts of distractions. That's when the concept of 25 guys, 25 cabs came up. You can picture Shaq and Kobe in their feud. Having two huge superstars on a team is very, very difficult. When each one wants to be the man, tough. And that marriage did not last, ended in divorce which makes it happens, as you know, as many of you know. And in sports, when divorces happen like that, very not common that both go on to greatness separately. Sometimes they needed each other. In this case, both Shaq and Kobe had a terrific championship career. So my question for Shaq is this, as I watch this pregame, how long, how long will it last? How long will you hold on to that emotion? How long will you wait until you call Charles or Kenny Smith or D. Wade? I would hope and assume that it won't be long and that he'll carry that with him. I must say that there is a lot going on with the death of Kobe still. We are now three days later. You're just beginning to hear. We haven't really heard much from family, from Vanessa. We heard from someone close to Vanessa. You can't even imagine what she's going through. I can only tell you that it's cannot even imagine. Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, during Super Bowl week, the biggest week, we talked about it yesterday, how is the Super Bowl going to handle this death? Roger Goodell, in the middle of talking about major football issues, the collective bargaining agreement, the fact that the Raiders are moving to Vegas, what to do about Antonio Brown's mental health, and the fact that he's completely unstable. There was a question about Kobe Bryant, and an answer was, 
we will be honoring him at the Super Bowl. I don't know if he meant the fact that he was honored on media day, but it seems to me that it means that on the day of the Super Bowl, there will be another moment, whether it's a moment of silence, some sort of video during a commercial. We don't know if it's for the people watching at home, if it's just for the fans at Pro Player Stadium. I just call it Pro Player Stadium. It is called Hard Rock, obviously, in Miami. Pro Player is where the Marlins won a World Series. It's the same place, just has sort of a tent-like roof now. And it will be interesting to see what the NFL does. Don't underestimate the importance of that type of decision and the enormity of this story of the death of Kobe. It goes on. Shaq, you got it right. I hope you keep going. I wasn't really in the mood to watch a movie after the show yesterday. And uh, I, don't, I was thinking about the last couple of days, and I was tired. And I was thinking about that I really, sometimes after the show, I just want to get into bed. And I want to uh, literally just close my eyes because my brain is working. I'm up way too early thinking about the show, and I'm up way too late thinking about this for you. Because I promise I appreciate your loyalty, and I'll always reward it. But I also know that I watch a movie every day. It's what I do, either a movie or a TV show. And I, uh, Ed Norton is one of my favorite actors. One day I'll do a top five of Ed Norton movies, and you can bet that Primal Fear will be there. And so will the movie with uh, Keeping the Faith with Ben Stiller. Love that movie. But he directed, so will Fight Club. I could do it right now. Fight Club is definitely one, probably number one in my top five, but I got to think about it. Edward Norton, talented actor, wrote this movie directed it, stars in it. It's called Motherless Brooklyn. It's based on a book that actually takes place in the 1980s, and Ed Norton changed it to take place in the 1950s. It's about corruption in New York and how New York was basically built on the backs of men who chose to, shall we say, well, let's, let's talk about this for a second, actually. Have you ever thought about infrastructure? When you're driving to work, have you ever thought about the highways you drive on or the bridges you drive over? Have you ever thought about the fact that this is from the movie? I mean, it's too good. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, this is not a spoiler, but Central Park in New York City. You've all know, if you've never been to New York, go. If you can't go to New York, go to Google Earth and look at Central Park. It is the greatest park on earth in the greatest city in the world, right in the middle. How do you think Central Park actually got there? Do you think that there were other people living where Central Park was and is and where they wanted it to be? Do you think when highways are built or roads are built that people don't have to be moved out of their homes? There's an entire concept in the Constitution that's called eminent domain. It's in the law. The government has the right to seize your property. That's just their right. Now, there are rules they have to follow. You can't violate someone's human rights. You can't violate the Bill of Rights. However, if you pay money, market value, we wanted to take property to build Marlins Park. And here's how we did it. We knocked on the door and said, listen, we want to build a ballpark here. We will buy your house. The market value of your house is $100,000. We will pay you $300,000. And you know what the people said? No. 
I will not sell to you. And we would say it's three times what your house is worth. No, I will not sell. We then went to the government and said, listen, knock on their door, offer them 300 grand, and you tell them if they don't take it, it doesn't matter, because guess what? We're taking it, and we're giving you the 300 grand. Now, there's some lawsuits that have to happen. You go to court to get a market value, and it's possible in court, the court could rule that the house is worth 400,000 or 500,000. But either way, guess what happens? The government gets the house. And what happens to the family who lives in the house? Unfortunately, you move them to a different neighborhood, you uproot their life. Here's my question. What's your view of that? Do you believe that in order for a city or a community to grow, that it can be done without sacrificing some people? What about people who fight for democracy, who fight for our right to vote, who have gone to war over that right, who went to war over our independence from the British and who died for that? So we could be where we are so progress could be made. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that is a fact of life. This movie talks about what has to happen when a very powerful man wants to change the city, build the city, make New York City. He's not corrupt, or is he corrupt? And if he is corrupt, does that make what he's doing wrong, or does it make how he's doing it wrong? A fascinating movie. It will get you to think. It got me to think. It's two hours, 24 minutes. And when I tell you to spend 144 minutes, I do not do it without thinking about how busy you are. I do it knowing that sacrificing 224 for the movie plus 45 for the show, I'm looking at three plus hours of your day. Likely you're up 16 hours. I'm talking about asking you for almost 20% of your day. I don't take that for granted. You won't be sorry. Motherless in Brooklyn. Thank you, Ed Norton. So there's several calls you don't like getting. I'm not even discussing the tragedy calls. Those are nightmares, and I've gotten them. The arrest calls suck, too. I've gotten those. Nothing in the sort of continuum of tragedy a player getting hurt and missing time, it registers, but it certainly doesn't redline. We all understand death does that. Arrests are sort of like half. But A. Eugenio Suarez is one of the players on the Cincinnati Reds. I think he had over 45 home runs last year, maybe up to 49. I mean, we're talking about a real player, a drug-free, really good offensive player for a team the Cincinnati Reds Big topic on CBS Sports HQ, the Reds. Thank you to everybody listening in Cincinnati. I know all 10 of you personally. And I can just say this. You signed all these free agents. We talked about it. And now you have this happened. It's a great story. Suarez was swimming in a pool. This is the story that he's going with. And now he's having shoulder surgery. And he's going to miss spring training and the start of the regular season. There's so many things to talk about. Let me just give you two funny ones. Number one, when baseball teams announce to you 
that he's missing spring training, but he'll be back early in the regular season? As fans, you say that means the first week in April, the beginning. As a team, we know any time before May 15th, that's early in the regular season. As you get to Memorial Day in May, that's when it's not early anymore in, in terms of how we announce injuries. Two, when a baseball team announces that Suarez is having shoulder surgery due to injuries suffered while swimming in a pool, they're lying to you. Have you ever gone swimming? Even if you don't know how to swim, even if you do the breaststroke, the side stroke, the I can't float stroke, the elementary backstroke, no matter what you do in a pool in order to work out and do cardio and get ready, you're not having emergency shoulder surgery. It doesn't work that way. I've seen it. I've seen players get in the pool, they get in the spa. I've seen them work out. I've even seen players who like doing cannonballs and belly flops. In order to do that and then require shoulder surgery, you really have to screw it up and then you have to cover it up. First you screw it, then you cover it. That's how it works with injuries like this. Suarez is gonna come out and he's gonna say, this is exactly how it happened. I was getting ready for spring training. My guess is he was horsing around, could have been with kids, could have been with friends. Something happened that caused that shoulder injury, and it made me furious when I ran a team. Furious. Now, announcing fake injuries, I'm all for it. I don't want to embarrass Suarez. I don't want to say how outrageous it is that we've got players stupid enough to make mistakes like this, and I'm not willing to dismiss it as simply a stupid mistake. That's unacceptable. When you are a professional athlete, you have one job, and that's to keep your body healthy. It infuriates me. It's like when players get banged for steroids, and they claim, oh, I didn't know what I was putting in my body. Really? You're a professional athlete? You know everything that's going in your body. When these athletes do activities, snow skiing, water skiing, some sort of horsing around in the pool, Racquetball, sorry, Niner. Any sort of, even golf. Now, players golf, I get it. I hated when our players would golf. They'd bring their golf clubs on every trip. There came a time when we stopped allowing golf clubs on the team plane because I wanted to make those players pay for the damn FedEx because they would FedEx their clubs and think I didn't know. What, did they think I was born yesterday? That I don't know when we don't allow golf clubs on our team charter, that they're FedExing them ahead of time and that they're playing golf? Of course I knew, but I wanted them to pay for the FedEx. <laughs> Makes me laugh. I've never seen a golf injury, though. I guess if you swing like I do, your shoulder could come out of its socket. I guess if you do the crawl like I do, no, I trained for an Ironman, never needed shoulder surgery. Well, that's a big loss for the Reds. That's a fake injury that you got. It's a real injury that he had surgery. It's a fake reason why. We caught you. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you know how serious everyone is when it comes to sports? It's, uh, it's staggering to me. I, in 18 years, I love it, right? I want, you to, I want you to be emotionally attached to your team. I want you... I want you to care what happens on the field. I want you to care when trades are made that you're not happy with. I want you to care when logos are changed. I want you to care when 
we run out of hot dogs. I really do. Here's what I don't want. I don't want death threats. I don't want you making fun of my kids when they're in school. I don't want you hurting me or my family or my friends. Can you imagine? Now listen, I've been to a game in Manchester, in Liverpool, when Manchester played Liverpool. It was, uh, I have never been to a game with more passion. Remember last episode or two episodes ago, I talked about the Cultural Exchange Club. Group of guys go to a sporting event each year. It was the Melbourne Cup, my Kate Upton story. Well, another Cultural Exchange Club story is we went to a, a Manchester United-Liverpool game in Liverpool. That makes the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry look like two Little League teams. The level of hatred and emotion between these teams, staggering. You can't replicate it. I went there trying to have fun, and how can I replicate the in-game experience at Marlins Park or any sold-out stadium? How could MLB replicate EPL? Can't be done. Believe me, I've tried, and I'll keep trying, and so will executives, but it can't be done. But yesterday, people crossed the line. The CEO of Man U, not a VP, we're talking about the head guy. His house got attacked by fans. People found out where he lived, went to his home, and physically attacked his house. I don't mean like toilet paper on Halloween or taking an egg and egging someone's house for fun. Who hasn't done that? And I don't mean with hard-boiled eggs. I'm talking about these people are so angry over the performance. When I brought it up to someone at the CBS Sports HQ studio, can you imagine? This is a fairly smart individual who said to me, I don't blame him. That guy stinks. He was kidding. Was he? You sure he was kidding? You sure that that emotion didn't cross the line? You think it's okay that he had to be removed from his house and have security? or that his kids were in danger? Do you care so much about a team that you're willing to actually hurt someone? It's disgraceful. And then Manchester United, their response was perfect. Perfectly horrific. If we find out who did this, we are gonna ban you from games. Maybe, maybe in Manchester. You know what I just thought of? I actually, this is funny. Maybe that's worse than going to prison. Maybe for a Man U fan to be banned from going to a game is worse than prison. I take it back. Maybe banning him from a Man U games is the worst thing you can do. Good job. Please don't attack executives. We're not going to get everything right, okay? We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things that are unpopular. Is that worth a death threat? I've gotten those. Is it worth an attack, a personal physical attack? Property? No. Not even close. So CBS Sports HQ is doing a, uh, a special. They're going to do like a video, I think, on social media. It's going to be really cool. So make sure you're on HQ or following them on Instagram after you follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I just mentioned Instagram. There you go. I do have an Instagram account. I never know what to do. Do you post a photo of yourself? Do you post a photo, a photo of an animal or of the food you're eating? Or do you do like a boomerang, which looks ridiculous to me? How do you exactly do it? Do you put yourself in a bikini 
as a man or a swimsuit and, and flex or something. Show yourself working out. I, I don't know how to build or interest people on Instagram. So I actually put a picture of food up today because it made me laugh. So that's my rule of Instagram. But CBS Sports HQ is getting everyone to make predictions. One of the predictions is on prop bets. They may not even realize at HQ that we've been doing prop bets for the past four or five days. We've been giving you a different Super Bowl prop bet every day. We got a great one today. We're going to give you on Friday's show, tomorrow's show, we're going to review every prop bet we've done so you have it in your mind. But today's prop bet, put it in. Will the score of the Super Bowl ever be tied again after 0-0? I love this. Okay, here it is. The game starts, it's tied at zero. We know that. Don't say O. O is a letter. It's tied at zero. That's a number. Will it ever be 3-3-7-7-10-10-9-9-15-15-21-21-24-24? Will it go into overtime? By definition, if it's in overtime, then it means it's tied. Will it ever be tied again after zero? My answer is, of course it will. And it only has to be minus 200. Two to one. Yesterday, we laid seven to one, I think. That may not have been yesterday. Maybe that's what I recorded for CBS Sports HQ telling you to take the under 76. I think we may have done it in a show. Either way, definitely do that one. So this game will be tied at seven. If you can get a prop bet that specifically says when will the game be tied, the answer is it will be tied after 0-0 and it will be tied at seven. You're going to get a lot of money if you bet that. That's my prop. All right, I'm going to pick of the day and I... Uh, that jet lag thing I talked about yesterday, that's real. I had the Bucks. I didn't even know Giannis wasn't playing. The Bucks were giving 16 and a half to the Wizards. I was positive the Wizards were going to cover. Do you know what the final score of that was? 151 to 131 Bucks. We lost without Giannis even playing. By the way, a little nugget of a rule here on nothing personal. When I tell you to place a pick, I'm telling you and telling you what the line is. That's the line that I'm going by for my record. The line yesterday was 16 and a half. It actually moved to 11 and a half when people found out Giannis wasn't playing. It turns out that the people who make lines thought that without Giannis, the Bucks will win by five points fewer. Well, without Giannis, they won by three and a half points more. So I'm not sure they had the whole Giannis thing figured out, just like I didn't have the jet lag thing figured out can't believe we lost that. I'm going back to the NBA. Losing one isn't going to bother me. I'm going against Melo again. I make a habit of going against Melo, and we make a habit of winning. Rockets are only giving two points to the Trailblazers. You're going to say Harden's been hurt, Westbrook, and I'm going to say Gordon scored 50, and I'm going to say none of that actually matters. What matters way more is that the Trailblazers still have Carmelo Anthony. Bet against him whenever you can. Rockets minus two over the Trailblazers. That's right, Coca, over the Trailblazers. We talked about wait to see. That's when, when I'm wrong, I tell you. When I'm right, I am tell you. This is a complicated one. It took seven minutes of my life to explain to Coca before the show. I'm going to make it way easier for you. Wait to see. You've heard about Mookie Betts. He's about to be a free agent after this year. He's getting paid $27 million. And every other day, We've got 17 stories about Mookie Betts being traded. Padres, Dodgers, who's going to pay more money? How's it going to work? We've talked about it on the show. We're wondering ourselves. Now they're saying there could be a trade to any number of teams. 
here's what you do if you're Boston. And that's why it's my way to see because I know they're watching and listening. Thank you. It's enough. If you're going to trade Mookie Betts, come out, make the deal. If you're not going to trade him, come out, don't make the deal, put it to bed with Mookie, with the other players, and with your fan base. It's okay. Hi, and Bloom. I know you're a first-time GM, chief baseball officer. John Henry and Tom Warner have been around. So have you, Sam Kennedy, team president. I get why you're not talking about this in public. I get the mystery of it. Here's the difference in this case. The universe of teams who can take on a $27 million player, Super Bowl week is about three. It's not like an off-season trade where we have all teams with their budgets and they haven't figured out how they're going to fill their budgets. This is not an example of special money where there'll be a a mystery team out of the blue that can take on $27 million. It's a tiny universe. You know that universe. Put an end to this. If the Red Sox do not come out by Monday and put an end to the Mookie Betts trade speculation, wait to see. It means, Mookie, you are going to be traded. It's not necessarily the Red Sox have until Monday to make the decision. They have until Monday to tell us what the decision will be by either saying they're moving him or not. And then you're going to call Mookie in and you're going to say, hey, I know we got a ring, Mookie, but you know from our standpoint, this is business. It's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.